Alright, welcome to a solo edition of the House Money Sports Podcast. I'm Wolfman J. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world of sports right now. Yesterday was a big day for some breaking news. You got Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I think everybody saw this one coming for how the shit played out this year. But Kawhi Leonard wants out of San Antonio for $31 million. I don't blame him. Uh, we're going to talk about that. I'm going to break down how Greg Popovich is an asshole and this validates everything that I've ever said about him. Um, I'm going to give you everything you need to know in 10 minutes about the College World Series. Um, and that's probably all you want to know about the College World Series. So I'm going to give it to you. Um, I am going to, I think uh, another big story yesterday, Baker Mayfield was named QB2 by Hugh Jackson uh, at minicamp. So going into training camp, he is going to be the backup quarterback. Now that could be all lip service. Who knows? Uh, Maybe they want to take the pressure off of him. But uh, right now he is the backup quarterback. So the number one overall pick is the backup quarterback. So I'm going to give you the Browns update. It seems to be a personal favorite topic of mine. So I might as well do it. Um... And rest assured, I'm going to tell you if Baker Mayfield is going to be a good quarterback or not. I'm going to tell you what his ceiling is, what his floor is, if he's more Brett Favre or if he's more Tyrod Taylor. So uh, don't worry about it. I got you covered there. So stay tuned for that. Um, And then I'm going to talk about uh, some baseball. I'm going to get into some baseball shit. I want to, first of all, I got to give a shout out to Bartender's Pub. They're running an awesome promo. I wish I was in Baltimore to take advantage of this. And so do you. Um, And I'll tell you why uh, after the next, I'll tell you why in the next segment. Um, Also, I'm going to break down the Glaber Torres for Araldis Chapman trade, that seems to be a huge topic right now can, uh, since Glaber Torres has come up and he's uh, doing good, breaking records, and uh, just um, doing some big things. All the Cub fans want to be a revisionist and go back and say that we wish we had him. However, we probably wouldn't have a World Series if it wasn't for Glaber Torres. So I'm not going to argue the trade. Um, you know, it happened. Both teams... Um, both teams uh, won the trade. However, I want to put a different spin on it because there's another way to look at it that people aren't really looking at it like. So I'm just going to point out something that often gets left out when we're talking about this. Also, I'm going to talk about some defensive gems. This also validates everything that I've been saying since 2015. So Johnny Metrics is in the house and he has some defensive metrics ready for you. That's going to make you take a double step. You're going to poke your ear. You are going to think you heard that wrong. It is an amazing stat. So just sit tight for that one. I'm going to bring that to you. And then if I have time, I'll give a little U.S. Open update. And then there's one story that I want to talk about that I've been following all week more than anything else. And it's about a rapper from bed Brooklyn. Uh, from the same area in New York City as where the Notorious B.I.G. is from. And uh, he is basically waging a war against the entire music industry. And if not the entire music industry, definitely the entire rap industry. And he is ready to... uh, Basically, he's taunting uh, a bunch of gangsters that want to kill him. And he's still alive. And that's his biggest claim to fame is that he's still alive. So I'm going to break that story down towards the end. 
I'm going to bring that to you. I'm going to take a little break and I'm going to come back and I'm going to get right in the Kawhi Leonard saga with the San Antonio Spurs. And I'm going to give you my spin on it. And I'm going to tell you exactly what needs to happen. All right. Let's uh, let's uh, let's take a break and we'll get into it, man. Stay there. Welcome back to the House Money Sports Podcast. I'm Wolfman Jay. Uh, the big story from yesterday, Kawhi Leonard, uh, once out of San Antonio, uh, and he's willing to, he wants to, he's trying to force a trade to the Los Angeles Lakers, um, and in doing so, he makes himself ineligible for the max contract. Uh, he would only be able to sign for $31 million less than that number in L.A., and I think uh, – actually, I don't blame him. I, I would probably pay $31 million so I didn't have to look at Greg Popovich's ugly face too. So um, I, I'm on board there. Um, but, at, but before you go start a GoFundMe account for Kawhi Leonard, uh, at whatever he would sign for at L.A. is still well over $100 million. So I'm pretty sure he's going to be okay. Um, the conflict that started in San Antonio, the, re- the thing that led to all of this is the fact that Kawhi Leonard had a leg injury. The San Antonio organization, the Spurs organization, wanted him to play. His team... His camp, Kawhi Leonard's uh, management or his his team didn't want him to play because they they feared further injury. They didn't want him to pull kind of a Grant Hill thing where it hurt his longevity. So they told him not to play, and in the long run, he didn't play. And in the process, Greg Popovich threw subtle shots uh, all season at, aimed at Kawhi Leonard and his and his team. Uh, basically, you know, just. I think the kids call it sneak dissing, where he was like just throwing shade. So now Kawhi Leonard, he's he he has some of the control, and he's saying, "Listen, I don't want to play for you anymore. Trade me." And I like it because I want to see how arrogant Greg Popovich is going to be at in post game interviews when he doesn't have you know three all stars on his team. And, and, you know, I'm going to see what his legacy is going to be moving forward when he doesn't have a top five to eight player of all time and two Hall of Famers combined with an all-star to go along with that. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how good of a coach he really is. I've always thought he's overrated. Those San Antonio Spurs teams from like 02 to 2010 or 2013, however long it was, those teams were as big as super teams as there have been, as as there have been at all, except for maybe this Golden State team. Um, so, uh, if Kawhi Leonard does go to the Lakers, since we're talking about super teams, um, he would be on a pretty high-profile team if the juicy rumor were to come true, and LeBron and playoff P Paul George go to LA too. Um, for the record, I don't care who joins forces this time to beat Golden State. Like, I don't – if they have to get 15 All-Stars together to beat this team, I am all for that. Uh, this evil empire that is the Golden State Warriors can kiss my ass. I think they're all, you know, cocky assholes. And I'm ready for that thing to be taken down. That dynasty can go fuck itself. Uh, I don't like any of the four big, the big four that are on that team. So, 
Um, I'm all for, like, last time I was a little salty at LeBron for leaving Cleveland and joining forces to win championships. This time I'm all for it. Get whoever you need out there in L.A. Uh, and let's get it done. Um, Jeannie Buss uh, yesterday uh, sent out a cryptic tweet that said, never underestimate with a picture of Magic Johnson. So there's tons of tea leaves. A lot of signs pointing towards that is going to happen. Uh, LeBron's son, Bronny, who is a up-and-coming basketball player, surprise, surprise, uh, enrolled in a high school out there, Sierra Canyon. I'm probably pretty sure that's a private school, and it probably requires a lot of money to go there. So there's probably a reason why he is uh, why he's going to attend that high school. Um, so you have that. The other dynamic that the Lakers are going on right now that I think Bears talking about is the Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma. What the hell is going on there? I, this new generation, like, I guess that's what they do. They just kind of troll each other on the internet, and I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but I guess they kind of just make fun of each other, and they always have access to each other because of Instagram and all these social media things. And it has culminated with a diss track from Lonzo Ball to Kyle Kuzma in which I think it's all in good fun and good nature, but the it, it's gotten to the point where the Laker management has stepped in and told him to cut the shit out and act like professionals. So, um, yeah, who knows what's even going to be in place by the time LeBron and Kawhi and Playoff P would get there. Um one last point that I want to make on the whole situation with those three guys going to L.A. is the fact that I still don't think that that would be enough to beat the Golden State Warriors team that they have in place right now. Um, playoff P scored five points in a, in a elimination game last year, let's not forget, and Kawhi Leonard hasn't played in a year, so it would probably take that thing a little bit of time to get going, plus the high profile, the, the big stage that they'd be on in L.A. Tons of pressure on that. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is there. Lonzo Ball is there, Kyle Kuzma is there, you got Julius Randle, but you don't know what's going to be in place still by the time, uh, by the time that whole thing would get put together. So, be interesting to, to, to look at that moving forward, but it looks as though Kawhi Leonard wants out of San Antonio, don't blame him there. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let, let's get into something else. Well, I'm going to give you, I'm going to come back, I'm going to take a little break, and I'm going to talk about the College World Series, I'm going to give you everything you need to know in Six to ten minutes. We'll say six to ten minutes. It might not even take me six to ten minutes, and that's probably all you want to know about the College World Series. So come back, stay tuned, and we'll rock that out. All right, welcome back to the House Money Sports Podcast. Wolfman Jay with you. Um... I'm about to give you everything that you want to know about the College World Series. Did you know the College World Series has eight teams? You probably didn't know that. Well, now you do. Um, LSU isn't one of the teams this year, and that's really surprising because they seem like they're in it every year. So who knows what's going on there? Um, but I'm going to give you a, a little tidbit on every single one of these teams. So if you're a gambling man out there or if you sit down and you want to watch the games or you're hungover or whatever the case may be, whatever the scenario is for anybody to watch the College World Series, now you, you're going to know something about it. So 
strap yourself in and get ready for this. Uh, the first team, Arkansas, the Arkansas Razorbacks, they roll into Omaha. They sock in a lot of dingers. Uh, they hit a lot of jacks. The, uh, their home runs account for 30% of their runs. Um, overall, their number one starter, Blaine Knight, hasn't lost in 384 days. That's pretty good. That's a long time. That's actually 19 days over a year. Um, so uh, he hasn't lost in 12 months. And he's 12-0 on the season. Um, the next team is your dark horse Cinderella of the College World Series, Mississippi State Bulldogs. They started the year 14 and 15, and they have rebounded and have found their way in Omaha. They have a dude by the name of Elijah McNamee. He's got eight home runs on the year. He's got five in this tournament. So let's hope that uh, he... The masking agent that uh, he's using uh, doesn't isn't detectable, and he doesn't get uh, he doesn't get popped for that. Uh, North Carolina is the next team that I have written down here. I wrote all this shit down. Bear with me. We still we're we're in we're under the we're under the time limit so far. North Carolina. Who would have thought they had a baseball team? They probably don't go to class either. Uh, fuck Roy Williams and Rashad McCants. Um, but this year, their baseball team is 36-0 and and leading after seven innings. So if you're sitting around and you want a live bet and you want to get in on some action and the North Carolina Tar Heels are winning after the seventh inning, it's probably a pretty safe bet that you can go ahead and throw a couple bucks on the Tar Heels to close that thing out. Uh, the next team, Washington Huskies. It's their first appearance in Omaha. That's all that I have on them. So... Good luck, Washington Huskies. Way to go. Good on you. First appearance ever. Congrats. Uh, Oregon State, the Beavers. They're my personal favorite. I'll always jump on the Beaver bandwagon. Uh, let's hope they got their playoff beards going. Uh, they're 43-2 when allowing fewer than five runs. Uh, 16 of their players are all Pac-12. They have six All-Americans and three first-round draft picks. Their strikeout-to-walk ratio is 526-194. to 194. Quick math. That's like... One or what? Uh, one four. That's a one. That's a that's a the four to one strikeout to walk ratio. Um, this isn't just a hat rack. I fucking spit out numbers and analytics on the fly. Johnny metrics on the fly. Um, Texas Tech out of the big out of the Big Twelve. They're the only team in the country with eleven players in the first the drafted in the first thirty rounds of the major league draft. That's pretty good. Uh, they started 14-0, and and they mixed in 30, uh, a 37-inning scoreless streak in there. Uh, so they got that going for them. Uh, Texas is uh, back, it seems like, along with LSU. They're carrying the torch for teams that always go there. Uh, they've been in there every year since 1985. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm going to guess, and I'm going to assume that's right. They have Roger Clemens' kid, Cody on the team, so they have the, what is it, the the generational, no, not the generational, I can't think of what the word is, the dynasty player, I don't even think that's the word, but uh, Cody Clemens, let me tell you what he's done, he's hit five home runs, he's hit 500 in the NCAA tournament with five home runs and 11 RBIs, so he comes into Omaha smoking red hot, um, so that bodes well for the Longhorns, um, 
And let's throw a little shade at the Longhorns because fuck Kevin Durant. And remember that when he freaked out on that one dude and that meme that just came out a little bit ago? Yeah, you probably didn't see that. I did. And go check it out. Um, the, the last team, Florida, the Gators, they're dinger happy. They have 96 home runs on the year. They have the most home runs in the College World Series. So, um, they have the coach of the year, player of the year, and the freshman of the year all on the same team. That's pretty good. I don't know the names. If you want to know those names, you're going to have to either look them up yourself or watch one of the, watch one of the games. And that's it. Those are your eight College World Series teams. Um, they are going to play for the College Baseball National Championship. I don't have the brackets. Maybe I should have done that. It actually starts today. It's probably going on. So uh, the championship series, the best two out of three, starts June 25th, which happens to be on my birthday. So good luck to all those guys. Um, there's your College World Series uh, in-depth analysis. You're not going to find any better College World Series analysis than right there. Uh, we just got it done in a shade over six minutes. Um, we're going to come back, and I'm going to talk Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. Stay there or go outside, do something, but I'll be right back. Welcome back. House Money Sports. I'm Wolfman Jay here in the KKTY Studios uh, with the Big Bopper Belding. Not really, but... Um, that's the inspiration behind the Wolfman Jay. Um, let's get into some uh, Cleveland Browns. Uh, obviously, that's a favorite topic of mine because I talk about that all the time. But they're just always in the news because of how shitty they've been and then how they're trying to turn that thing around. Baker Mayfield uh, named QB2 yesterday by Hugh Jackson. That means they're going to roll with Tyrod Taylor going into training camp until he throws his first bad pass and then, they're, and then Baker Mayfield's going to play. Um, I, I think... The question is, is Baker Mayfield going to be that good anyway? The number one pick. Basically, he's an undersized quarterback that was picked number one overall. And I, he's coming in at 6'1". They always, you know, he's probably really like 5'11", because they give him two, two inches at least uh, on, their, on their official measurements. So um, is he going to be more Brett Favre or is he going to be more Tyrod Taylor? Well, I'm here to let you know. The Green Bay Packers, somebody in the Green Bay Packers front office when Brett Favre was there is now in the front office with the Cleveland Browns. So they're trying to duplicate that whole thing, that magic, whatever you want to call it, they have with Brett Favre in Green Bay. And they think they see those things in Baker Mayfield. He's got the moxie. He's got the gunslinger mentality. Um... But what? But how? But but does he have the talent to be that generational quarterback? I personally, don't think that he's Brett Favre. I think he's more. I think his ceiling is actually more Tyrod Taylor because they're they're very similar styles of play. Tyrod Taylor, he's a little mobile. He doesn't have a big arm. He's pretty accurate. Uh, I think that's Baker Mayfield in a nutshell. So I think if we're going to say – I think it's I think it's a tough place for Tyrod Taylor to be in. He's always that guy that's he's – not, he's not like a superstar, big name, high-profile guy. He's always like the bridge guy, but he can, you can win with him, but you're not going to be a great 
great team with him. And I think he's always like one or two games away from getting replaced by the young rookie that you have coming in. And I think that that's Baker Mayfield. And I think he's going to – I think Baker – I think it would do him good to sit out an entire season. Like, I don't think they should play him at all this year. I think the Browns are going to be good enough with Tyrod Taylor to where it's not going to be an issue. But as soon as they start losing, everybody's going to want to play Baker Mayfield. And I think that – I don't think he's going to be – I think the hype train – behind him is going to be it's going to be too much i think he's i think he's overhyped because he's the number one pick and i think that was a bad spot for him to be in um so that's how i feel about that right now he's the backup it's mini camp we'll see what happens long way to go but since we're on the subject let's throw some let's i just want to let's talk about the browns really quick hugh jackson said that they have upgraded at every position they were 0 16 last year i would hope so um if you've seen a picture of Josh Gordon lately, uh, his arms look like uh, the Triple Crown winner, ho- winning horse justifies legs. Like the definition in his arms are completely ridiculous. You can tell that he's not hanging out with Johnny Manziel anymore and he's off the weed and off the molly. And uh, he's focused on, on taking care of himself and being a good football player, which is good to see. That's going to help them. That's like adding a huge... Free, you know, playmaking uh, free agent for them, you know, or whatever. I mean, he's going to make a big difference. Him being healthy and him playing and, and him focused on football is going to be a huge upgrade for them regardless. Their defense is already good. They got Carlos Hyde from San Francisco to be their running back. Um, they have Tyrod Taylor. So, I mean, right now the Browns are doing some good things. They were 0-16 last year, and I don't really think it's that big of a of a stretch to see them going nine and seven and or eight and eight. You know, somewhere around there. Um, they up they they have upgraded everywhere. They have a better quarterback. They have a better running back. They have better receivers. Miles Garrett's coming back. You look to get a lot from him. They got the cornerback from Ohio State with the fourth pick. So it'll be interesting to see what Cleveland does. Apparently, I'm a huge fan of the Cleveland Browns because I. I like to talk about them. So, either way, we'll see what happens. Uh, they were the shitty quarterback, Super Bowl champions. Uh, they're trying to get off of that. They're trying to pass the trophy along. Um, you know, uh, I heard that. Uh, um, who? Uh, let's let's say I, I heard that. Uh, I don't know. Let's hope that the Cleveland Browns had as much fun with the shitty Cooper City shitty QB Super Bowl trophy as Alex O had with the the Stanley Cup. Um, He is on an epic bender. That's a story for another day. He's on like an all-timer. And, uh, you know, he deserves it. 13 years in the game. Finally won his first Stanley Cup. Uh, You know, one of the greatest players ever. So kudos to him. But uh, we'll see what happens. Baker Mayfield, Cleveland Browns. I'll be back to talk about uh, some baseball. And uh, Gleyber Torres, Aroldis Chapman, uh, be right back. All right, welcome back to the House Money Sports Podcast, Wolfman J. Um, big shout out to, uh, big shout out to Bartender's Pub in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, the promotional uh, thing that they're doing. Uh, it's, it's so shitty for the Orioles. They're so bad that, uh, 
Bartender's Pub has agreed to give everybody a free shot for every single Chris Davis hit. Um, so that's a promotional advertisement after my heart, after my own heart. Um, if that was me and I was in my wheel, like my doing shots wheelhouse uh, long, long ago, I would have been there probably every night. And, and I would have had to ride it out until Chris Davis had a good game. And that's one of those things where it's like the lottery where – you go every single day hoping that he does well, and then, but you have to keep going. Because if the day that you don't go is the day that he's going to have four hits, and you could have had four free shots. So um, shout out to Bartender's Pub. That's a great thing that they're doing. Have your Uber drivers ready, though, because Chris Davis has got to break out of the slump at some point. And be looking for a good matchup, maybe a righty with, with a you know, below-average fastball, and uh, go get yourself a couple free shots on the house and on Chris Davis. Um, cool thing there. Uh, I want to talk about Gleyber Torres, Aravis Chapman. What the fuck? You know, why not? Everybody, uh, every Cub fan uh, in the world right now wishes that we had Gleyber Torres back. They forget that Gleyber Torres got us a role as Chapman, which in turn got us a World Series. That was the missing piece of the puzzle. We needed to get a dominant closer. We had Hector Rondon in place. He is a... He is an asshole, and, uh, you know, so good thing we got rid of him. We brought in Chapman. We needed him to win it. Even though he almost threw his arm out in the playoffs, uh, we still needed him. Uh, we wouldn't have got – I don't think we would have won it all without him. Um, the thing that everybody wants to, to, to say is that, y- you know, they, they can't have it both ways. And I think both of the teams were winners in the trade. The, the Yankees got a, a, what looks like an all-star caliber player for a long time, and the Cubs got their first World Series in 108 years. So everybody wins, right? I think the thing that gets overlooked in all of this is the fact that the Cubs didn't necessarily have to trade Glaber Torres to get Aroldis Chapman. They could have packaged up a number of prospects. So it, it all comes down to, what, would you rather have Glaber Torres right now than Javier Baez, Addison Russell, Kyle Schwarber, um, Albert Almora, somebody like that? Now, they could have traded Baez and Almora for Chapman. They could have traded Baez and Russell for Chapman. They could have traded Baez and Schwarber for Chapman. They could have traded Russell, Amora, and Schwarber. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things that they could have done where they could have kept Glaber Torres intact. And I think right now, as a Cub fan, I would rather have Glaber Torres than Addison Russell or Javi Baez. But, I don't know, Albert Amora is beasting right now. I'm not even going to throw his name in this conversation anymore. And my guy Kyle Schwarber, uh, the the gold glove caliber left fielder that he is, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, I'm not trading him either. Um, it's just a matter of now, does his defense warrant his offense at this point? And I'll tell you why uh, in the next segment. But the thing about it is, yeah, I mean, I would rather have Gleyber Torres in the middle infield than any of the middle infielders that we have right now. However... The also, you can make the argument, would we have won the World Series without anybody that we had on that team? And the answer could be no. So revisionist history. I just wanted to put a different spin on it. The Cubs could have had Gleyber Torres, or could have kept Gleyber Torres and gotten Chapman uh, the same way that everything went down. But revisionist history, I'll take it. The Cubs won a World Series, so fuck it. I don't even know. Let's move on. 
you know, I, the thing about it is, is that makes it so interesting now is that Glaber Torres looks like he is going to be every bit as good as he was uh, advertised as. And so, you know, it's going to be tough. He was born a Cub. You know, he was a Cub born. You know, we brought him up. And, and now it looks like everything is going to come to fruition. So that's going to be tough to watch. But, you know, we won a World Series. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll be right back. I am going to talk about... Um, Johnny Metrics is going to bring you some defensive metrics. And uh, you're going to love this. This was actually, like, this is unbelievable. I, I am still kind of in shock. I've been sitting on these stats for a day now. I put them together yesterday. I've been sitting on this for a day. And I still can't believe the numbers that I'm about to spew out of my mouth. It's uh, absolutely unbelievable. So stay tuned. Come back. And I'll let you know what is so shocking about the defensive metrics in baseball today. All right, welcome back to the House Money Sports Podcast. Johnny Metrics is in the house, and I'm about to blow your mind with some defensive stats that are going to validate and justify everything I've been saying since 2015. Um, And I'm about to bring you some defensive metrics, everybody's favorite. And uh, I got this out of man graphs. I like to call it man graphs. Some people aren't a big fan of that. Fangraphs is where it's at if you want to get all your analytics needs for baseball. Huge, um, you know, this is big on the numbers. So if you really want to break it down and you want to stop living in 1985, go on Fangraphs and check this shit out. But right now I'm going to bring you some defensive metrics. This is a crazy stat. Since I've been doing this, this is probably the craziest stat that I have pulled this entire time. Um, so basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what war is. War is wins above replacement. Defensive war is what I'm focusing on right now. Johnny sweep the leg metrics is in the house and I'm about to bring you some numbers. Um, but wait for the surprising one. I'll let you know when, when I get there, I'll tell you, cause you're going to have to brace yourself. All right. First, I'm going to start with teams. Okay. And the only reason I'm going to start with teams is because the Cubs are the best defensive team in baseball right now with a 20.6 wins above replacement defense. Shout out Chicago Cubs for that. Damn, Theo Epstein can build a defense like no other and a bullpen. So, and those are two qualities that you need to have a good team. Second best team on this list, the Diamondbacks. They're coming in at 18.2. The Angels, Brewers, and Royals round out the top five. The Indians, Tigers, A's, Braves, and Marlins round out the top ten. Yes, the Marlins made a top ten list. That's a miracle in itself. Um, but that is not the, sh- the most shocking stat that you're going to read in this entire thing, believe it or not. The worst teams, as far as defensive war, the Orioles are checking in at negative 24.4. The Mets, uh, Phillies, White Sox, Blue Jays, Dodgers, Padres, Reds, Rangers, and Twins round out the bottom ten of the worst defenses in baseball. Orioles being the worst defense in baseball, that's a shocker. Maybe Bartender's Pub can uh, rally behind that and uh, get some shots going for airs. Um who knows? Uh, let's, um, so here we go, right? Let's get it down into the players, okay? Now, there's two defensive war stats that I look, or I'm sorry, two defensive analytics stats that I look at. Defensive war, defensive wins above replacement. I'll say it again for the fifth time, defensive wins above replacement. And then that is exactly 
it is what it says, wins above the replacement. So it's just basically how good you are at your position to the average player, to the league average, okay? That's how many wins you're going to give your team relative to the league average. Um, so once you get into individual players is where it really gets, it, it gets good. Um, I'm going to give you guys a chance to think about who the best defensive player in baseball is. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let the track run, as they say. Yeah. Did you think about it? Because I guarantee you, you didn't pick who it is. Matt Chapman checks in at 9.1 defensive wins above replacement as the best defensive player in baseball. Yes, Matt Chapman of the Oakland A's. Where the fuck did he come from? I don't know. Billy Bean finds these guys somehow. Speaking of Fangraphs, Mr. Fangraphs himself. Uh, found Matt Chapman, and he is the best defensive player in baseball at 9.1. Now, some more familiar names after that. Francisco Lindor checks in at second. Eldrelton Simmons, third. Iglesias and Willie Contreras round out the top five. The Cubs' very own, shout out Wilson Contreras, the number one catcher defensively in baseball. That was the biggest question mark for him when he came up, was his defense, and he has... Uh, definitely proven that he is capable of being the best defensive catcher in the league. So that's good to see there. Um, Very interesting note uh, right here, and I don't even know why I'm talking about this. I could probably leave this off there, but Marcus Seaman is sixth. He's ahead of Addison Russell at 10th. That validates the trade that Billy Bean made four years ago when he traded Addison Russell because he already had Marcus Seaman in the fold. Marcus Seaman has developed into a very good defensive shortstop. And he is on par, if not better, than Addison Russell. So, hey, we're validating Billy Bean again. This is the Billy Bean hour, and that makes sense because we're all about analytics right now. Johnny Metrics in the house. Marcus Seaman, four ahead of Addison Russell. Take that for what it's worth. Right now, June 16th, 2018. Long way to go. We'll see what happens there. Gansby Swanson is the eighth overall uh, defensive player in baseball as far as defensive war goes. That guy is having a bounce back year, had a horrible year last year, and he has proven his value. I gave up on him on a fantasy team. This isn't a really big fantasy stat as far as defense, but he is the eighth best defensive player in baseball. That's huge for the Braves. I think he makes them, he, he turns them good to great with the pieces that they have around him. So if he can be good, the Braves are going to be great. Get your tomahawks ready because the Braves are going to the playoffs this year. Um, you heard it here first. Uh, okay, so let's get into the outfielders because that's the whole point of this whole exercise is to talk about this one specific dude who is coming at you uh, and eight more guys. So right now the first outfielder is Lorenzo Kane. He checks in at 12. Leonis Martin uh, checks in at 15. He of the resurgent fifth outfielder for the Cubs last year for three months. I think he played a total of three innings. Now all of a sudden he's the 15th best uh, defensive player in baseball, and he's got a weighted OBA of like 350. So hopefully they don't find his mask and agent either, or um, yeah, or everybody needs to get on whatever whatever he's doing. I think we could all use a little bit of that. So Leonis Martin, wow, what a bounce back year that is. Mike Trout checks in at number 20. There's a familiar name. Uh, Cole Calhoun is the is the first non center fielder outfielder on this list. He checks in at 
22. Followed by the Cubs' very own shout-out, Albert Almora, checking in at 24. That guy can track him down with the best of them. Ender Inciarte is 35. Billy Hamilton is 37. And then checking in, it's the number, 40 sec- the number 42, best defensive player in baseball, the eighth-best outfielder, the second-best non-center fielder, and the best left fielder in the game, according to defensive wins above replacement, is none other than Kyle Schwarber at 2.7. 2.7 wins above replacement. He's the best left fielder in the game of baseball right now, according to Johnny Metrics and according to Mangraphs. So I rest my case. Everybody freaked out in 2015 when he had those two big errors in the NLCS, and he looked like an asshole, and he fell on his face. And I was like, everybody just needs to relax. Uh, you know, he'll be all right. He's a, he's, he's a good athlete. He's a converted catcher. And everybody's like, no, he sucks, he sucks, he sucks. And then he had a couple more glaring errors in the playoffs. But... It looks like I have been completely validated. My guy Kyle Schwarber uh, checking in as the 42nd best defensive player in the game, 8th best outfielder, 2nd best non-center fielder, and 1st defensive left fielder in all of baseball. Um, booyah. So now that you – I'm going to give you a second to gather yourself. You probably need to pick your job off the floor after that one. So I'm going to read you this next stat. And this, this one – Again, shout out Cubs. This one's going the other way. Everybody thinks that Javier Baez, everybody says that he is just such a good defensive player. Yes, he's flashy, but for an overall defensive player, I do not know how good this guy is. And here, and here is a stat that I'm going to give you. He is the 16th best second baseman in all of baseball with barely over uh with a barely positive war at point three. He's actually four spots behind none other than Starlin Castro, who was run out of here because he didn't play defense. Suppose you know, I mean that was his the biggest knock on him is that he didn't play defense. He is actually a better defensive second baseman today than Javier Baez is. So, you know, put that in your sandwich and, and take a bite of that and let me know how it tastes because uh, Starlin Castro is right now better than Javier Baez as a defensive second baseman. So apparently he's paying a little bit more attention, probably because he has to, probably because the Marlins pitching staff sucks and he doesn't want to get hit in the face with the line drive, 110 uh, exit velocity. Um, so yeah, he probably needs to pay a little bit more attention. Castro doing some good things down there, better than Javier Baez. Go fucking figure that one. One more little nugget right there for second baseman, Yon Mankata. Everybody complains about his defense. He's the sixth best. Uh, he checks in as the sixth best second baseman at 2.4. He's a full two uh, points uh, war ahead of Javier Baez. So there's your Yon Mankata Javier Baez debate. Yon Mankata is a full two points wins above replacement than Javier Baez is right now. So there's something to keep an eye on to see how that plays out for the rest of the year. Now, that was defensive wins above replacement. That took into account everybody. UZR just takes into account how much better you are uh, than your average player relative to everybody else on the diamond. So it's, it's a, little bit different, a little bit different stat. I'm not going to break it down, but it takes into account like putouts, assists, errors, range. The same thing as defensive war. It just The only thing that it does is how, how much better you are relative to the average player than the next guy is relative to the average player at his position. It's confusing. I'm not going to fucking take the time to – hopefully you understood what I just broke down. If not, go to Fangraphs, check it out. But as far as UZR goes, which is um, zone – uh, what was it? Zone. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Scrolling. Scrolling. Ultimate zone rating is what UZR is. Kyle Schwarber even checks in higher on this list. 
Matt Chapman is the runaway leader on this list at 8.1. Cole Calhoun is second at 6.6. Kyle Schwarber checks in as the eighth best defender in baseball relative to his position over everybody else at their position. As the eighth best defender in baseball, the second overall outfielder, and he's 4.8 total. So whatever Kyle Schwarber, I mean... He made the top 10 of a defensive list. That is fucking amazing. So everybody can fucking eat it and start listening to me because this is not just a hat rack. Apparently, much to my surprise, I know what I'm talking about. Who would have thought? Um, so before I move on here, I'm going to read you uh, the worst... The five worst UZR players in baseball, okay? Jose Martinez checks in at negative 9.4 wins above replacement. So, fuck you, Cardinals. Uh, Michael Brantley is second. Gregor Polanco, third. Jose Abreu is fourth. Justin Bors, fifth. And honorable mention checking in at sixth is none other than future Cub himself, Bryce Harper, at negative 6.9. So, that looks to be a little bit of a downgrade. He's actually a full 12 points worse as an outfielder than Kyle Schwarber is right now. So think about that for a second. Um, And there it is. There's the Johnny metrics, Johnny sweep the leg metrics defensive breakdown. I know everybody was on the edge of their seat. I'm going to give you time to process that. And I'm going to come back and talk about um, something that has been interesting to me all week. I'm going to give you guys a little taste of it. So we'll be right back. Hang in there. Wolfman J from the House Money Sports is back with you. All right, I got to talk about a story that I have been keeping a close eye on. Takashi69, he's a rapper from the Bed-Stuy Bushwick area of Brooklyn. Same area that your boy, Notorious B.I.G., is from. This guy happens to be a half Puerto Rican, half Mexican dude. He's got six nines tattooed all over his face and all over his body. Um, he is, uh, he, he grew his hair out and he dyed it every color of the spectrum of the rainbow. Um, he, he's taunting uh, every single, I'm pretty sure every single gang member uh in the united states of america i'm pretty sure he has taunted them all um and let me break it down for you okay for you for you guys that 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 don't really know how it works the rap game is different than anything else in the music industry basically if you're a rapper and you are from a particular city and you want to go to another city to do a show every single major city in america has what is known as like gangster ogs where they have the basically these guys are overlords and you have to pay them tribute out of the money out of the purse that you get for doing the concert in this city so if you so let's say you're from new york and you want to go to um you know miami there's a dude in miami that you if you get twenty thousand dollars you have to give him five thousand and then he spreads it out you know around the neighborhoods whatever he does i, I don't know but um, so that is that is what uh, that's how it works. 
Okay. Um, so just to give you an example of how much influence these, these overlords have, right? <clears throat> There's a dude named Trick Trick. He is from, well, that's his nickname, Trick Trick. I doubt that's his birth name. I'm going to say that is his nickname. They, they call him Trick Trick. He's from Detroit. He knows Eminem. Eminem is associated with 50 Cent, obviously, the whole Shady Records thing. And um, Rick Ross and 50 Cent uh, had beef back in the day. Well, Rick Ross was supposed to do a show in Detroit, which is where Trick Trick is. And not only did the concert, he sh- made it so that the concert got completely shut down. Not only that, but Rick Ross could barely get out of the airport and uh, he had to turn around and get out of the city. So that's how much influence these guys have. Um, well, this Takashi dude, and he is nothing like Biggie. He's, he has like scream metal raps where he just basically yells the entire time, or actually most of the time. There's a couple songs that he doesn't do it on. And actually overlooked in all of this is he actually has some pretty decent music. He's 7 for 7 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Every song he puts out immediately goes to the Hot 100. This dude is a marketing genius because he knows exactly what he's doing. He's drawing attention to himself and making tons of money in the process. However, the, the, what he did was he was about to tour the country... And he let it be known that he was not going to pay any tribute money to these gangsters in the different cities. He said, I'm going to go to these cities, I'm going to do the concerts, and I'm not giving you guys shit. I'm taking all the money and I'm leaving. And you guys could fucking blow me. So, he went, um, I think the first place he went was like Minnesota, and he got shot at, obviously, right? So, he said he wasn't going to pay anybody. He went to Minnesota. They asked for the tribute money. He didn't give it to him, and they ended up fucking shooting at him. Well, he ended up surviving it and uh, making videos about it. And that's the whole thing. He just taunts these guys on Instagram Live and Facebook or Twitter or whatever. So, the big story was, or actually not the big story, but the next story is he was going to L.A. And these gangsters were like, listen, before you come out here, we know what you're trying to do. You're going to have to give us money if you're going to come out here. If not, we're going to kill you. And he's like, fuck you guys. I'm coming out there. Before, So he gets on a plane. He goes out there. Before he could even do the show, the club, the venue, shut the show down because they couldn't guarantee people's safety because too many people wanted to kill him. So, And they can't have that. Obviously, they can't have that at their venue because they could lose their liquor license and they can lose all that shit if people are getting shot up in their club. So they shut the show down before anybody else even could. Right. Well, instead of doing the show, he went out there and he made it a point to walk around the city of L.A. taunting all these dudes like he didn't go to the hood. He didn't go to Compton or anything like that, but he still went out there and he still earned his stripes or whatever, because then he went back to New York and New York has in L.A. have that always had that underlying thing or whatever, the coastal war, whatever you want to call it. And. He was a hero when he went back to New York because I, he's like, I went out there to L.A., I antagonized all these gang members, and they didn't kill me. Haha, I'm still alive, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, you know, thinking to myself, that's cool, but he's not really fucking with anybody from Chicago because if he does that shit in Chicago, they'll kill him. So I thought. Um, yeah, he, um, there's a rapper named Chief Keith. There's a rapper named Little Reese from Chicago. They're from Ingl- the Inglewood neighborhood in Chicago. That's the worst neighborhood in Chicago, if you know anything about the city. Um, there's a block there named O Block that is named after, uh, one of their fellow gang members that was murdered. They call it O Block because I think his name started with an O or something like that. Anyway, 
Takashi starts beefing with all these Chicago rappers. There's like 10 of them. The, no, the notable ones are Chief Keef and Little Reese. But he's... Chief Keef went to New York City looking for Takashi because Takashi was taunting him. And Chief Keef ended up getting shot at in Manhattan at the hotel that he was staying at. So he's like, you know what? You're going to shoot at me. Come to Chicago. Chief Keef doesn't even live there. He lives in LA now. But so Takashi's like, you know what? I will go to Chicago. That crazy fucking kid went, that he got on a plane in the middle of the night. He went to Chicago. He went to O Block at like five in the morning where all these guys are from. And he made these videos while everybody was sleeping. And he's like, I told you I would come to O Block and blah, 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 blah. And he posted it at 10 o'clock at night just to like trick them into thinking he was there. And so they all went real time <laughs> to this block and he wasn't there. It, he just taunted them the whole time. Like he stayed one step ahead of them. It was, uh, it, it was pretty good what he did. And I got to give him credit, man. He, he, he's, he's playing the game perfectly and he has, he's probably the biggest, the biggest artist in, in music right now. And, and the reason why he's so big is the fact that he's alive <laughs> that's his biggest claim to fame right now is that nobody's killed him yet so it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out that's all i really wanted to talk about that uh pretty good story i was fucking following that for like three days so there it is takashi 69 good shit um hopefully back on monday to talk some more shit so until then let's uh we'll let it ride out we'll talk to you yeah we'll see y'all later Maybe, if I can shut this thing, if I can shut it down. All right, we're out. I'm out. Wolfman J. For Wolfman J, that's it.